everybody, and welcome to Volume 1, Issue 40 of the Cane and Rinse podcast. In 1984, David Braben and Ian Bell crammed eight galaxies into 32K. In 2008, Braben's Frontier Developments squeezed a multi-screen arcade adventure into 35 megabytes for the launch of WiiWare. A sequel followed in 2009, and later both games were ported to iOS and Android. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, we have Tony Atkins. Hello. Darren Gargett. Hello. And Joshua Garrity. Hello. Welcome, everybody. So, Lost Winds, then. This was another one, I think I put it forward on the, the big list of suggestions for the Cane and Rinse shows uh, quite some time ago, possibly right back near the start. I bought the original Lost Winds on the day it came out, on the, the first day of WiiWare, along with a couple of other things, back in 2008, um, May I think it was, and uh, I played to about halfway through um, now I've finished it I think maybe it was even more than halfway through it's not a very long game which is something we'll almost certainly talk about uh, but I got really lost um, put it down for a couple of days um, came back and had absolutely no idea where I was supposed to be going um, so it's taken me a while but here we are four years later four years and a bit later um, and I've now played them both through so um the original releases were yeah May 2008 and uh, about uh, it was winter two th- uh, 2009 I think so about a year and a half later um, and they've just recently at the end of last year the first one came out on iOS and Android I believe and Winter of the Melodias only came out like two months ago didn't it on iOS mm-hmm. yep. quite a recent release um, on the Wii, they originally cost 1,000, and they still cost 1,000 Wii points, which equates to 7 English pounds, about $10. Uh, whereas on iOS, for the HD versions, I think they are, they're sort of HD. Yeah, well, they're, yeah they're, they, I mean, if you've got like, a new iPad, they've been retina displayed, so they've actually put into like super HD, so they yeah. look absolutely gorgeous. Um, yeah. And I mean, if uh, unlike uh, well, unlike Nintendo, Apple do like to do their sales. So for the entirety of this series, I paid one pound forty nine. Yeah, Lost Winds was free the other day, yeah. and I, I downloaded uh, the iOS version just to see the just to compare. I had I had no intention of playing it all the way through again, um, although it wouldn't take very long. Uh, so yes, these are one pound forty nine English money or two dollars, uh, I guess. On, yeah. uh, on on on, I, I don't know yeah, what they I cost on Android. Probably the same. Well, I, I think they retail normally at about two forty nine. So you know, a, a fraction of the cost of what you yeah. pay on the Wii. Yeah, um, and you still see people moaning 
on the <laughs> iTunes reviews about how expensive they are because of course people are used to playing paying 69 pence or 99 cents for games that last as long as Cut the Rope or Angry Birds or whatever and you give them a, a, a sort of you know three to five hour arcade adventure and they think that it's a massive rip off at £1.50 <laughs> it is unbelievable though isn't it really when you think about all the work that has gone into this game which we'll talk but, about but like you I mean I, I was very close to buying this um, upon the Wii, Wii launch because you know let's face it that, that shop or that store was starved for content for a long long time and kind of in some respects still is a little bit um, so it was something that I was always very uh, aware of because a lot of you know hype around it you know this is actually a good thing on this service so, yeah. but I, I never pulled the trigger. Um, I've still got, I've, I've got a thousand Wii points sat in my account. There's but, plenty uh, of good things to spend it on, despite plenty, despite yeah. the naysayers. There are there are many many good games on there. Not not as many as you'd like, but um, there's I can recommend a good few things to spend your thousand Wii points on. Oh, yes. But but you know I was very aware of the games, and you know part of the reason for setting up this uh, this wonderful show of ours is to uh, is to try to tackle that back catalogue, and and you know so I understand why it made it to the list, and I wanted to talk about it, or wanted at least to play it because you know it is one of those. Uh, pieces of content on the on the WiiWare store that is uh, actually probably worth buying over other pieces. Indeed. Uh, so, Darren, what about you? And Lost Winds, played it before? Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Lost Winds was a day one for me. Uh, there was a lot of hype around it. Um, I was looking for something to download on my Wii because it was sort of like, you know, the WiiWare was a new thing. And uh, yeah. this was like a flagship title, I seem to remember. It was. Yeah. Um, it was. Had a bit of a problem because I got a US Wii. It was sort of like, well, how do I get US points onto my Wii? And this is like, mm. this, is, this is a typical sort of importer's dilemma. Like, you know, you pay through the nose to get an import machine and you have to pay the price. Uh, do you regret this decision? Oh, no, definitely not. Because I've got <laughs> Ribbon Heaven Fever six months ahead of <laughs> Power Lounge. Yeah, so Josh I mean. and I, we have our copies, our Power copies in the post as we speak. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I mean, I won't import the Wii U, but... Um, because you know, I, I feel like with the Wii, I, I didn't really get everything out of it that I should like with my N64 and GameCube. But yeah, um, it was sort of like you went onto the WiiWare shop, and it was like, okay, how do I add money to my account? And uh, luckily, if you use the Brazilian postal system, it's the same as the English <laughs> one, and you can use your debit card under the Brazil system. So apparently, I live in Brazil, but you know, when the car goes through, um, they see me in England, and they haven't done anything about it. So I assume it's a loophole that they allow, or I, I don't know. But yeah, That's day one for me. <laughs> That's like my Xbox 360 US account is tied to the Microsoft Seattle address because it's the only one I could find and uh, my friend Paul's is tied to the Playboy Mansion. But that's all fine. So. Yeah, yeah. I know a few people who live at the Giant Bomb HQ as well. <laughs> mm. uh, so you bought this day of May, May 2008 and did you complete it? Yeah, definitely. I, I played it all the way through and I, yeah, it was... Um, yeah, it was good. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> save it, I, save it. I, I, We're not sorry. there yet. <laughs> sorry. And then uh, yeah, Lost Winds Winter of the Melodias was uh, a recent purchase for this here podcast, and I I totally forgot about the series until you know I saw it on the list. I was like, oh yeah, I remember Lost Winds, and uh, it's a shame that you know that happened. But mm. <laughs> Josh, uh, Josh, what about you? Um, Lost Winds has always been a series that I've heard talked about, and I thought to myself. I should play that at some point. <laughs> yeah, never got around to playing it. Uh, never bought it. I heard loads of people talk about it, but I just I never got around to purchasing it and uh, playing it. Um, actually, I purchased these uh, games specifically for this podcast. Mm. Don't worry, I had points on my Wii. It didn't cost me. Um, I wasn't worried. Was anyone else worried? No, <laughs> about, not at all. Poor student okay. Josh. 
Um, but anyway, uh, so I bought these games for this podcast, and uh, yeah, it you know this podcast finally motivated me to give these games a go. Cool. So uh, yeah, I think it's worth talking about the uh, WiiWare's file size limit, um, which is forty meg. Now I spoke to Martin Hollis a couple of years ago, three years ago now I think, uh, did an interview with him for Game Adore podcast, and he was talking about uh, the game that he was putting out then, which is Bonsai Barber, and he said, forty meg is the download limit, but once you uh, take out all the splash screens and instructions and all the things that you have to include by Nintendo law, you're left with about thirty-five megabytes. That's not a lot of room. That, that explains why I keep hearing that same Lost Winds music over and over and over again, because obviously the, the space is, is not there for them. Yeah, uh, the the iOS version clocks in at 70 megs, I think, and presumably the Android is similar. Obviously that includes, uh, that's got a whole load of extra stuff. It's got Game Center support and uh, extra uh, sort of um, inventory screens and bonuses and unlockable things, as well as higher res assets. So, uh, But it's uh, you know, I made the comment at the start about the fact that David Braben himself famously uh, crammed Elite, the the amazing, their amazing all-time classic, legendary 1984 space trading sim, into less than 32k. I think it was actually, I think the actual game code is something like 24k, and it features uh, eight galaxies, each with 256 planets in, which are procedurally generated. Uh, incredible piece of coding and obviously David Braben uh, this is not his game, this is his studio's game apparently it came out of a um, an internal competition you know in the same way that uh, Double Fine uh, did Costume Quest which was where they, I think I can't remember what they call it but they have a week where they, they each go away and they're not working on a on a project and they come up with ideas and the one that's uh, internally considered the best is the one that they go with and this uh, was an idea that came from uh, inside the the team, and it was to do with uh, you know what what how best can we use the Wii remote? So that's how it came about. Uh, and apparently, the, the concept came from he was sitting outside on on the on the park bench, and the wind was blowing. And he was just and he so he was thinking, what could I do with the Wii remote that would uh, simulate the wind, and how could I turn that into a, a puzzle platforming game? And thus, this was born. And obviously, this was back in 2008 when waggleware wasn't quite such a, a dirty word. Uh, and in fact, this game won some plaudits for its use of the Wiimote. Now, three of us uh, on this show have played it that way, the way Frontier originally intended. Uh, and uh, Tony, you played it on the iOS uh, device, the iPad, which I would suspect is probably now the best way to play it for a number of reasons. Uh, better graphics um, and uh, touch controls, as well as achievements and all that stuff. Yeah, but like well, I'm going to be interesting to hear your experiences with the controls, because obviously I think we've had a, a probably a widely different experience, even though um, some of the concepts will be identical. Mm. I think the way that I activated some of those concepts will you know, rather than just the button presses, there was pinching and pulling and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it has to be said that, I mean, lucky enough to have an iPad free in the house or whatever Apple wanted to call it, just the iPad. So like I said, they've updated it for a retina display and it, it does look incredible. It, mm. it, well, incredible, but it, you know, it looks pretty, very like pretty. a very modern HD version of, of these games. And, and, you know, I've seen it on, on YouTube videos at the Wii and yeah, I mean, there is some degrading of graphics, but that's not necessarily 
what it's always about and yeah we've learned that from this show so it's nice to have the hd stuff but i think the touch controls will be the the difference in between mm. these two. yeah it's very clear it, it looks very pleasing on the wii the first it game it's hard to believe like i don't actually know the file sizes of the two games but the winter of the melodias seems to have so much more in it uh the, the first game has a very limited number of assets you see a lot of repeats as as darren says the music repeats quite a lot and uh, and so on it's also apparently um, the original Lost Winds was uh, from concept or from prototype, prototype to concept took 15 weeks right or, prototype to completion sure. I should say took 15 weeks yeah so incredibly fast but, you know, between what was on the board and apparently that's got everything to do they've got their own tool set so mm. it was very easy that they almost describe it as um, Little Big Planet-esque right. tool set um, just dropping stuff into the environment and if playing with it and moving on that's brilliant but if that's the case it's weird that they haven't because since then they've they've obviously they've been busy working on they worked for Microsoft they made Connectimals mm-hmm. um, they worked on they were working on a, a, a big sort of project called The Outsider but I believe that's now been canned or certainly put on hold indefinitely Frontier are forever and have forever been working on Elite Four um, you know their first game as a studio was Frontier Elite Two back in about ninety three I think that came out uh, and had problems but. Some people loved it. Wow, it was the sequel. Transition of small company turning into you know trying to grasp into a bigger uh, AAA stuff. It's just mm. it's difficult. And you know, yeah, I mean, who knows what they've made from from Lost Winds? I, I read a actually uh, going trawling back through my Edge magazines. Um, the Lost Winds two got a um, got a cover story. Um, yeah. So I was I was just reading through that, and apparently it it done relatively well on the WiiWare service. The original Lost Winds purely because it was day one. So yeah, it would have done enough. Yeah. People picked it up to pay its to pay the, its way and some more, mm-hmm. um, which is what funded the second one. But uh, anyway, it it's still being developed essentially for the iOS. So yeah, although they're just remakes, but. Yeah, Frontier's most recent release was Connect Disneyland Advent- Disneyland Adventures. Um, not sure. Stella. Yeah, I'm <laughs> going to say I'm, I'm I I don't know, but I'm going to guess that wasn't awesome. Uh, but yes, they haven't sort of followed up. If they if they've got this uh, L, little big planet esque tech, almost it sounds almost a bit like when we were talking about uh, Rayman Origins uh, mm. and the, and the the kit that they have to develop that game with um, that apparently makes it very much quicker and easier to to produce games it's kind of i guess they've just you know it's not a very big company as you say they've been working a large chunk of them have been working on connect games and the rest of them have been importing lost winds to uh handheld platforms but yeah hopefully hopefully there'll be more so let's go to the actual game then we haven't talked about what you actually do in it who you are so uh the title screen is a very um soothing interactive title screen you can gust the wind get your first feel of gusting the wind about via wiimote or fingers uh you are a little kid called toku uh you wake him up at the start by gusting the wind it reminded me of limbo this only it's kind of like mm-hmm. not utterly depressing um <laughs> it's it's rather you know rather twee uh you come across uh, fairly quickly in, in your adventure Enril the wind spirit uh, I think Enril's meant to be a she where on the rare occasions gender is referred to yeah I think in Winter of Melodias they say she's been missing for some yeah. time or something like that referring to Enril the yeah. spirit uh, so the first power you get with Enril who's it's uh, I mean the, the whole game reminded me a little of uh, Okami in some ways and it, it does have a very Japanese yeah. feel um Enrio is a bit like Issen in some ways, although not as quite as 
insistent or persistent. Uh, the first skill you get is Gust. Um, now, so Toko, uh, his actual controls are on on the nunchuck if you're playing on the Wii are very limited it's really all you can do with him is he's just a little kid with stumpy little legs all you can really do is run left and right and, and hoy up little platforms so until you get the power of gust uh, which blows you up at an angle not blows you up you know as in blows you upwards <laughs> yeah um sort of elevates you up doesn't it by yeah. the power of wind. and you power that up and then you get multi-jump and, and soon before you realise it uh, Toku is relatively nimble and agile he can cling on to ledges which comes into play a lot so how is that activated on the Wiimote do you press a button yeah hold down the A button and and uh, and point in the direct obviously, so that's yeah, basically so your gusty button Gust button, yes. Uh, whereas the B, the trigger, the, the the B trigger controls other kinds of um, wind power that you get later on. Uh, so your can't, yeah. I mean, the the plot is is pretty standard fare. Uh, the the sort of standard Japanese RPG fare in a way. In the the land in which you live, called Mistralis, uh, and your hometown, which I think is revealed in only in the second game, as being called. Homeset uh, is under threat from uh, a malevolent spirit called Balasar, who uh, is somehow corrupting the land. Monsters are appearing, the usual sorts of things, um, and you need to uh, reawaken the good spirits to ensure this doesn't happen. Is that- yeah, that sounds yeah. about right. It's not the it's not the real draw for the game for me, to be honest. It was uh, all about the controls and how. I was going to manipulate the winds to platform away around. It, it seemed yes. it seemed genuinely interesting. I knew at the time, and uh, it's a it's it's a Metroid esque platform. Well, that's puzzling. that's what I was wondering because I was playing Winter of the Melodias and I was like, I can see a secret idol under the ice, mm-hmm. and I was like, do I spend time now trying to work out how to solve this puzzle, or am I going to learn a skill later on? Because there's been like a what a year and a half gap between I played Lost Winds and the Melodious game. I was like, I can't remember how Lost Winds is structured. So there was a little mm. bit of time of me thinking, am I being really stupid, <laughs> or should I come back later on? And um, turns out I was both. <laughs> <laughs> I was stupid, <laughs> and I needed to come back. So yeah. So my one of my first uh, issues with the game. Uh, was is uh, came back to haunt me in that first playthrough, which is the the signposting or lack of it. Now, there's uh, I you know I know in, in a way we're spoiled these days by constant breadcrumb trails and things, big arrows pointing us where to go. But this game kind of goes the other way in that it, it's very much it seems to have its roots in uh, old British arcade adventures of the 80s in that it doesn't really tell you where to go it's a bit more friendly than that but like the first thing the first place you're told to go is the withering falls to the west it says now i know it's not a massive leap to work out that to the west means to the left on the screen because this game's played entirely in 2d but that doesn't necessarily mean go to the left, does it? Because west could be any direction in this world that you're in. So it just leaves it up to you. And then the only you're, there's no map in the first game. All you're given is the ability to press the minus button on the Wii remote to get a hint from Enril, and that will just be yeah. You need to go to the west to the Withering Falls. Um, and at this point, there's multiple paths, some of which you can traverse, some of which you can't, and it's. So for such a small game, it's surprisingly easy to get a little bit mislaid. Is this just me yeah. being? Thick? No, no, I totally agree with you. Um, 
I know Tony's going to come in and comment <laughs> about how yeah. the iOS version is different, but um, I, I just found it really annoying that there wasn't a map. Not that it was... Because I eventually found my way, because it's not that hard to navigate mm-hmm. your way through the game. But it's just those moments where you want to make sure that you're going the right way and you think, oh, I'll just check my map. Oh, wait, there's not a map. Nope. And it's just, it's a bit annoying, um, especially for a game released this generation where that kind of stuff should be standard. Well, they had to fit it under file size. Couldn't, yeah, couldn't afford well, maps. Well, they managed it in the sequel. <laughs> I know, but now, um, like Josh said, uh, I went. I was having a conversation with Josh yesterday, and he he mentioned the fact there was no map, and my ears perked up, and I said, "Well, huh? There's a map. There is a map. You just press the map button, right? Yeah. So they and uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's something they have, they've obviously retrofitted back into the uh, the first game from what would be the second game, I guess. Incredibly enough, you know, three and a half years passed between the the original thirty five. Meg WiiWare version and the 2011 70 Meg iOS version, so they had to they had to surely you know learn from the feedback in that time. Yes, exactly. So yeah, for me there was a map in the first in, in the first game, and to describe it to people, if if you are going to play that, uh, if you look at this game from from the map point of view, um, the map contains lots of dots, so each screen is a dot on this map um, so say you go four screens to the right, then that's four dots in a straight line um, if you want to go up or yeah. down then that dot will be higher or this lower is, now, this, is this, something... is what came, this came in in Winter of the Melodias on, the, on WiiWare yes, exactly. so yeah, um, so, yeah that, that does exist within um, the, the iOS version, although Strangely, I mean, it's getting on to other points of of this game. Is that in I think win, in the Winter of Melody is that like, there's lots of different routes on that map, and and you're forever wondering how do I get down there, and you can't get access there to you to you get a certain ability. You'll find a lot in in the first game. That map is pretty much it's just you know you you follow dot to dot to dot, and occasionally they highlight where you need to go. But there's very little exploratory stuff on that map. It's more literally where you've been rather than where you're going. Without already diving into the comparison between the first and second games, uh, the the traversal in the second game is more about solving a set of interlinked puzzles within one area rather than simply navigating your way around and and getting like actually working out where the heck you're supposed to be which is more fun you know the 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 way that it's done in the second game i think so uh you start off start wandering about as you do in these games finding stuff looking for more stuff getting told sent on you know errands places to go uh it's it's all rather charming the animations rather lovely i think they managed to squeeze in a lot of uh nice animations and uh sort of uh environmental and uh can't think of the word but uh incidental animations that's the word mm-hmm. uh where you know you can blow the clothes or the, of of the people around you and 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 the trees and stuff like that and it's uh it's it, it's important it gives you a sense of connection um there's some really you start getting introduced to elemental puzzles involving uh fire and water um then my second sort of problem with the game and this lasts all the way through both games um, the combat if you can call it that involves uh, mostly involves little annoying uh, blobs which uh, jump around the screen and they're, they're not exactly highly malevolent there are a few other enemy types um, they're called globes globes yes globes all you can really do is slam them with in the first game anyway you, there there are a few options but mostly you're slamming them um 
this should be really fun and satisfying, but it's not. It's just finicky and slightly annoying. Yeah, it's not a very satisfying mechanic to wave the pointer of the Wii Remote over the enemy and just sort of, it's just sort of like slapping them around. It, and yeah, should, like be say, it, it should, mm, it should, it should be fun. It should make yeah. you feel powerful and they should make a cool noise when you splat them and they should, you know, stuff should happen, but they just kind of they just kind of pop if you get them and it sometimes seems a bit arbitrary whether you've slammed them hard enough into something mm. to kill them or not. It's actually really odd for me because um, it, it almost feels like um, on the... Uh, uh, Lost Winds 1 is a port of an iOS game um, to me so it feels like it's, it's come from iOS or you know the, the mobile platform oh, and ended up on true. the no and ended <laughs> up on the WiiWare ended up on the WiiWare platform it feels like it's gone the opposite mm. way now I wouldn't say the first thing about um, I say that's about uh, Lost Winds 2 it feels like a much more fully fledged game but to me it feels like it, it's quite a simple game uh, with little simple mechanics that could you know that work very Smartly on on a smartphone device or you know an iPod whatever it may be, because um, like what you're saying there is like grabbing those things and slamming them down. On on the touchscreen it works absolutely brilliantly because you just put your finger on top of them, you slam it down to the ground and they go poof straight down in a straight line. There's no finickedly like can I can I grab them? Have I put the Wii remote slightly within that right area? It's just you put your finger on top of it and off it goes mm, straight that, to the ground. That immediacy is probably pays yeah. dividends throughout the throughout the game. I would imagine. Yeah, and then that that passes through the same of any of the puzzles, like moving things, gust of airs, even moving your character. That you know you can just put your finger exactly where you want to be, because ultimately that's what you're doing with your WiiWare pointer. So having that one to one touch, I, I would imagine feels a lot more immediate. Yeah, than this is. Uh, I mean, this is a a much bigger, wider topic, but it is really interesting now how uh, it, I even see colleagues at work doing it, but certainly children, you see it a lot. They're so used to smartphones that when they go on to computers they no longer pick up the, their hand doesn't go to the mouse it goes to the screen and they very often um, start moving you know trying to move things about on the screen uh, and and that's happening more and more and you do wonder if rather than you know connect or, or motion control being the future that we could we could end up in a world where you know the controller is not replaced by those things but by and general computer use is is all touchscreen in, but, in a, but then again if you look at you know, if if this was on for steam for instance or even on the pc everything you you're doing in this game would be perfect for a mouse I mean, yeah, just true. the keyboard move left and right with the arrows and then the mouse would be almost the same as the touchscreen which is just put the pointer over the top of that slam it straight down i actually think for you know for this instance as much as sometimes we you know we bring up the connect for the for this precise reason not being precise enough and um, maybe the move would have been a little better a bit here, I, but everything I've seen from the Wii version uh, by watching YouTube videos it seems to be like the, the pointers always slightly jump in a little bit left to right, and it's not quite as precise as you'd want it to be. It's it's not terrible. Well, go on, Josh. Yeah, I, it, it's fine for when um, you're platforming and you're just like gusting. Uh, what's his name? Toku. Toku. Uh, yeah. Toku. Uh, when you're trying to you know throw him up into the air and get onto platforms. And when you when you get a, a later ability where you get to draw a line, and you can move boulders and stuff just by drawing that line onto stuff, that's fine. That's easy to manipulate stuff. It's just with those enemies because they keep moving around. Yeah, and they're and small. The fact that they don't die immediately, they like, oh, I'm going to stick to this wall and then come back at you <laughs> just to be annoying. And after a while, I was just like, oh, I can't be arsed with killing you guys. Yeah, you, I'm just going to bat you out of the way and carry on moving. That's it. You soon realise that you don't 
need to kill any of them. Uh, you just really want to keep them from latching on to Toku and uh, taking a bit of heart. This is uh, this game's one thing. That both both these games are the same in that, unlike um, games that it may resemble, such as uh, Metroids and, and Zeldas and things. Rather than you constantly losing little bits of health and f- constantly finding hearts to top it up, you only have four hits uh, per sort of life, as it were, and you only find health items quite rarely. They're sort of dotted, what, once every three or four screens, maybe? You find a piece of fruit, and uh, and it takes an awful long time for him to go through his is eating animation and does anyone know by the way why he stomps on it after he after he eats it he's an incredibly wasteful eater Um, yeah the health system totally confused me because you've got the three symbols that look like your Wii cursor they're like a little little spiral sort of thing yeah and there's three of them and say one of them's coloured in and the two are depleted I'm like okay what does that mean because it's next to the heart you can top those up by uh waving around the atmosphere uh, around the general screen and, and mm. waving your pointer over the little uh, spirity things which float about and also which come out of enemies when you splat them ah. I just yeah just, it, I mean Lost Winds ones probably told me that back in the day but there was it such doesn't, a it doesn't really communicate that at all no same yeah. with the combat in Melodias it was like oh there, there's those blob things how do I fight them again and it just it literally was just waggle where do you know what I mean at that point I was just like just doing anything just waving the wand around and seeing what happened um, but with those globs I kind of wanted to play around with them more like sort mm. of toy with them yeah. like because you were just slapping them around and I kind of wish like you could sort of fling them in the air and then do like the um, the circle manoeuvre to make them stay in the air and then smack them against the wall mm. it was just all a bit sort of half-arsed to use that term yeah in the second game again they, they make an effort to spice things up with fiery ones and icy mm-hmm. ones and you can change their uh, you can freeze them and, and chuck them into water and whatever and, and that, that does make it a little bit more interesting but yeah in the first game it's you again the signs of a game that was built in 15 weeks or whatever whereas the second one was both a sequel and developed over a longer period um Something that I noticed in in the first game, we're talking about the general communication from the game to the player. It's worse in the first game, but still persists in the second game that sometimes you'll get no tutorial for a new thing whatsoever. And other times it will keep giving you the same tutorial over and over again, even though you've already done it. (laughs) It's horribly frustrating that because it's just like, yeah, all right, I understand what's going on. just let me get on with it and it's not like it's sort of like a snappy text box is it it's sort of three or four. Just come, yeah. comes over the whole screen it's sort of it just totally halts the gameplay and fair enough it should do that the first time but if you're gonna show me the same tooltip at least just like do it as a scrolling marquee text down the bottom or something yeah and as i say there are other abilities which i'd picked up that i'm pretty sure it never explained to me at all um it's for me. It's hard to re- remember what was in the first game that isn't yeah, in the yeah. second game because pretty much every single ability, well, I think every ability you have carries from the first game into the second game, and then they lay a whole ton more on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, talking about the basics of what you do for the games, I feel like we've kind of half drifted away from that. <laughs> um, so the, the basic idea is: say that you have, if you were to look at this map screen, you have ten screens that go from right to left. Uh, maybe five or six screens that go up and down and eventually all this world clicks together um, the main goal is obviously is to get from A to B places um, solving the puzzles that uh, are in front of you now that may be as simple as drop this boulder right next to the switch on top of the switch to walk through the door puzzle solved 
or um, there's there's fire element or there's fire in this world and there's a, a vine wall that needs burning and maybe you know it's, it's a, it could be a bigger playing area playing play area um, where there's five or six different torches within this area that and you need to kind of interlink all those torches together then to bring the flame down and uh, eventually open that that door but along the way there may be another door that needs to be opened with a boulder or a certain element that needs to be sorted out first the, um, the singing blocks which you rotate in the air with the uh, vortex yeah. to uh, resonate at, at the at the pitch which opens but the door I mean did anyone get horrendously stuck on any of the puzzles certainly in the first game I got stuck no. a few times for, you know not forever but for a while I, d- I didn't I didn't get stuck with any of the puzzles um, I did get lost a few times mm. where I'd mm. gone down a path too far and then realised oh wait I should have gone down that other way you know th- you know, four screens ago or something mm. like that um, but the actual puzzles themselves I found relatively simple in the first one that is missing uh, there's, a, there's it's quite easy to sometimes miss something that's on the screen the camera will sometimes pull out to give you a clue that you need to be manipulating something that's uh, mm. that's further away than you would normally have to manipulate and to allow you to do it um, but yeah I always find that I get I normally get stuck for a few minutes on on a few puzzles in these games usually through in observance but that's the whole point isn't it I mean if you, if you were just to solve every puzzle as soon as you walk into an area go like that then yeah. that's kind of no joy in that anyway so I, I like the fact that there is at times it's slightly taxing and yeah, it's, you know, it does take two or three times to work out no that boulder doesn't go there it needs to go there yeah but um, I mean I, I, I kind of want to get on to the second one because I think there's there's so much more to talk about that and the ideas carry over but I, I think you know for me with the first game there's there's a number of issues why it didn't entirely click with me the way that the second one did, um, and I think some of that is probably to do with the Wii size, the limit size limit that they had to work with, how much they, you know, how long the game is. The game is what three hours, three hours and roughly. one minute for me. Yeah, I and mean, I've seen people report, you know, anywhere close to two and a half to, to oh, three hours. You could so. speed run it in. God knows what an hour maybe. Yeah, um, so there's not a huge amount of content, and I actually found myself getting rather frustrated with that. They they actually ask you to do a fair amount of backtracking, so it's not even a case of what well, you know Metrovania. I've got this new item now. I need to go there, but it the context doesn't ever seem to be like that grand. It's like, well, you've now got this. Go all the way back to the other side of the screen, and I'm like, I and mean, even I had the map, and I'm looking at the map, going, really, hmm. like all the way over there, even though it's only maybe 10 minutes of traversal it's like well that's like six screens away and it it, filmed, it it just felt like there wasn't much content for me to play around with and although it was very whimsical and beautiful to look at and I actually quite like the main mm. character mm. I kind of just found myself not being engaged with the puzzles as much as I wanted to be I, th- I think for me um, I, I largely agree with what you're saying Tony um, I think the game is pleasant it's just that it doesn't have a lot of weight to it. It just like I feel like I'm just going through the motions. Like it's not hard to do, and it's perfectly playable, and I, I'm kind of enjoying what I'm doing. But I, when I complete a puzzle, I'm not like, oh yeah, that was a great puzzle. I'm just like, okay, that's done. And, and right, it may moving come moving on to the next objective. It may come a little bit of how spoiled we are now as gamers, and you know, I, I think a title like this inherently has uh, you know a lot of people know about it because it was early on the WiiWare service so it get, it gets pushed to the top um, and I feel like I've played many games although maybe not graphically similar but many games kind of 
structurally uh, on on iOS platforms, and like I don't think it, it particularly does anything unique in its field. What feels now? Now I can't say what it felt like in two thousand six when it was eight. launched, but eight. Okay, two thousand eight when it was launched, but I like maybe it's because I was using the iOS controls and it, it felt similar to other stuff. I wonder whether the Wii controls were for you that like the, the difference because other stuff doesn't no it definitely was at the time these were interesting uses of the Wii remote technology Um, some you know some of it worked better than other bits as we said Uh, but a lot of the time it 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 felt quite fun to yeah draw like draw a path on the screen while holding the trigger and then have once you'd collected the jumbrella cape have your little character sort of float about and finding uh, the little treasures that were hidden off up in the extremities of the environment and stuff that that was that was pleasant but yeah the whole game is um curiously unexciting i, I agree with josh uh there are a few puzzles we go oh that was yeah that was clever um but yeah it seldom do you feel elated um, and I think the 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 limited file size and development time show in a lot of places. There's one point which I can't. I, I think I don't know if this this remains in the um, in the iOS version. But there's a point quite early on um, where you are sent by the village elder to find his memories, which are stored for safety in chests. Um, and the fourth one you were told is mm-hmm. at the east side of the ruined village which is then in the next line referred to as the abandoned village and then you're told which is near hilltop village and you would <laughs> never get that sort of firstly you know the same place being called two different things and that sort of confusion in a Nintendo first party game uh, that just would not happen because I was like am I going to the ruined village or the, or the abandoned village are these the same thing I'm not even sure and which one's the hilltop village is that first will I know it when I see it and just all that sort of poor communication to the player and, and lack of clarity is, uh, is not not becoming of a sort of triple A product or whatever speaking of lack, lack of clarity um, in Winter of Melodias uh, every time I well the first time I went to open a chest it says in the top left corner press Z to uh, mm-hmm. to open the chest okay I'll hold that down and nothing would happen and I'm thinking to myself well <laughs> what's, what's next doesn't like, tell you no to gust on screen prompt no it doesn't tell you to gust upwards and maybe if you've played the first one straight into the second one you know that because yeah. you've been taught that in the first one but like I say it was such a long gap for me I was just like well what, I was what do thinking I do? that because I went <laughs> within I had a day's gap between finally finishing the first one and, and the second one and I was thinking yeah there's definitely tutorials not here for some of the abilities mm-hmm. I was almost thinking has it has my Wii picked up that I've got a save game for the first game and there and therefore is skipping certain tutorials uh, that, 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 I mean I wouldn't bank on I that wouldn't have, a, I wouldn't have assumed that certainly no well yeah I mean I, I th- there is some evidence from past um, there was a long conversation actually um, with Alex Shaw talking about um, which one should he play and I think most people recommended that the, the sequel was the better game so he jumped straight into the sequel and then really didn't get on with it because like he, he just didn't get on with the controls didn't understand how certain things worked and, it, and he found himself being pushed away mm. quite a bit from it mm. where there was you know a lot of people shit saying no you really need to play the first game first but from his point of view it's like well apparently the second one's the best one I don't want to spend 2,000 Wii points yeah. I want to spend a, a, you know 8,000 and I and I think that's actually you know I, I think you kind of have to experience the first mm. game first because they don't tell you a lot in, but not only that like in the second game there is aspects of the first game that 
do carry across in sections of the story. Oh yeah, like it I mean, it's, it follows on straight away. Straight and and, and yeah. at the end of the first game, we'll, we'll talk about the the one and only boss just before we move on properly to Winter of the Melodious. It actually teases the second game, doesn't it? Yeah, and I, and I think you know whether you want to spend a thousand Wii points on it or ten, I don't know, a thousand Wii points on it. But I mean, it's easier on on the other platform, the iOS platform, Cheaper. because it's either going to be free. Yeah. You know, two pound fifty, or you know, more likely, you know, sixty nine p. You know, <laughs> it's a, it's an easy thing, and it's only two, two, yeah. to three hours. If you, if you have the option, you know. not everyone's got either or both. Um, no, you know, this is and this is you know, this is one of the Canaan shows where we suspect that you know, this is one of the lesser played games that we're covering, and that's kind of the point in a way. But it may be that you know, people um, just ain't bothered about it. But hey, here we are anyway. <laughs> What I, what I will say as, as kind of a sum up from my, my feelings for Lost Wins One, if it wasn't for for you know Kane and Rince and wanting to you know to play both games for this particular podcast, I'm not too sure I would have carried on with the series after playing Lost Wins One. I think it was it was charming enough, but it it, it just didn't blow me away in really in any way. So it was just like well okay, move on to Lost Wins Two, um, which I'm glad I did. So uh, yeah, let's just uh, talk about the the boss. Um, so. Uh a friendly spirit um, Magmok has been globed basically it's the usual thing a, he's a big uh, mm-hmm. sort of almost a Shadow of the Colossus type creature big rock and uh, moss sort of affair um, and he comes marching out of the, the back of the screen at you it's, uh, it's quite surprising because there's been very sort of few sort of large moving elements in this game and suddenly there's this sort of big monster he's not you know, he's not particularly scary or intimidating but he's large uh, and um, I didn't even again this is a, a good case uh, of there was a there was something that I think you were supposed to have learned ages ago in the game which is the uh, there are sometimes little spots of the co- globe corruption or whatever um, little which generate the little monsters and I thought you couldn't kill those because all you can do is kind of shut them down with fire or a gust. But it turns out you can actually, they leave a little tendril poking up and you can grab grab that with toku and then gust and pop pop that out the ground and then kill that generator. And that's actually the technique that's used for the majority of the final boss fight. Uh, so I actually had to uh, look up a YouTube video because I was <laughs> I was getting him to that point uh, where he, he slams his hand down and it's quite a traditional sort of you know boss at the back of the screen with his face and his big hands slamming down at you uh, and you yeah uh, hit it with uh, I can't remember. oh yeah you flames, uh, you have a boulder it, yeah. or f- yeah that's right you have flames yeah it's flames, flames from, from the side, side. side yeah you hit the yeah. hands from the flames from the side which then burns off the the top half of the goo and then this little yeah spike I had no idea out. how but, to hurt him so I had to look but, it up. Yeah, because they, you don't ever do that in any other point of the game. So it's one of those things they add in the boss fight. And you're like, huh? Like, I must admit, I struggled with it, and I think I just randomly, I jumped on his hand, thinking, huh? <laughs> like, what now? Well, that's what I'm saying. Um, you, you did have the opportunity to do that in the game on the monster generators, but it never explained to you that you could do that. So unless you'd worked it out by yourself up to that point, you were in the same boat when you got to the boss. Which, which I did, I did work work that out. Um, nothing told me that. Um, no. I was literally just messing about with the fire because I thought, if I can manipulate the fire, could I use it as a weapon? Mm. And so, towards the back half of the game, I was ju- whenever there were torches, I'd use that fire to kill all those glob things uh, instead of gusting them. 
which mm-hmm. was uh, much more effective. So when I got to that fight, it was just all oh, right. Okay, I know what I've got to do here. A piece of piss. Uh, so I didn't. I didn't have the issues you two had. It's a. Uh, it's a fairly easy boss. It takes three hits, and that's mm. game over. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have any problems with it, but I remember at my old job at Mastertronic, uh, Mr. Graham Boxall was struggling with it for. For, I don't know. He was like, "How'd you do that, boss?" I was like, "I, d- I don't know. I just did it." <laughs> and then I, d- I tried to explain it to him, and he he reported home to his his family, and they they still couldn't do it. So that's it's, weird. A, it's a shame. Yeah, like it's it, it's such a nice and easy game to play for the most part. It's so like welcoming. Like the the, the art style is lovely, and the way Toku looks is so friendly. And I just like, I love the way it all looks. But when it comes to playing it, it doesn't seem it doesn't want to be your friend. It's sort mm. of like. It's sort of like it's against you in some way, and not not in a fair way, like like a super meat boy. It's not that it, it's against you; it's almost indifferent to you. Just mm. like, uh, okay, you figure it out. Like it's not trying to help you in any way, or try. It's not particularly horrible or difficult, but it, it's just it's not very helpful. Yeah, it doesn't do the Nintendo school of training where it will sort of no. it will explicitly lock you in a room and go right. This is how you deal with this situation via this method. It's just like I think Lost Winds could have done with that kind of like okay, mm-hmm. um, you know you're you're stuck in this tra- this pit and uh, this you know the, your new ability is how you get out and therefore you've learnt that for the rest of the game. It's a shame that it's probably the file size again. Like that's probably limited the game's design. Yeah, in the fifteen weeks. It's, it's just and shame. the fact that Frontier had never made a game of this genre before, uh, I think that shows as well because you you see the amount they learned obviously and again the development time comes into play. But you know, this is a company who had made. Uh, Intergalactic space trading games, various versions of Roller Coaster Tycoon, Wallace and Gromit tie-ins, Thrillville. Mm-hmm. This they had not made a, a great complex games as well. Very well, absolutely, games. but totally different in terms of their relationship with the player and the and the look and feel and all that stuff. Um, so in a way, I suppose it's uh, you know you could sort of hand it to them for making not not a complete balls up of it in the in the first instance. Um, I think the I know we commented on the, uh, the the fact that the music repeats quite a lot, which is true. But I think what is there um, is rather lovely, and mm. to credit uh, Alastair Lindsay, who wrote the music for the first game, um, and you'll hear some of it um, dotted around the show. It's the only one that's available on iTunes. Sadly, the Winter of the Melodias soundtrack has not yet been released. Uh, maybe it'll still happen because, as we say, the that game's only just recently come out on on iOS as it is. But the the musical duties were handed over to another in-house musician, Adam Hay, for the sequel. Um, of his work on the soundtrack, Alistair uh, soundtrack, Alistair Lindsay said um, the music is constructed using a combination of MIDI instruments and recordings of real musicians playing a variety of ethnic instruments. What makes the compositional style so very different from a lot of games music is that quantization was banned completely. Quantization is a process by which MIDI notes have been played into sequencing software, usually via a keyboard are forced to play back in perfect timing. This is actually very unnatural and quite unlike how human beings actually play. Furthermore, the Lost Winds music deliberately speeds up and slows down. This gives the compositional style a sense of breathing in much the same way that orchestral pieces work. Which I thought was rather interesting. Because it does... The game does feel... It does have... A, a, as well as the visuals, it does have an organic feel to it. It's not something I, I can remember noticing, to be honest, but it's, it's a nice sentiment. <laughs> it's, um... um it, I- yeah, I noticed it because anyone who follows me on Twitter knows that I have an affinity for video game soundtracks. So I really appreciated the music. I thought it was really 
well put together. I just wish there was more of it. Yeah. Is my only complaint. Yeah. I guess without I assume they didn't add any for the iOS version. Um, um not that I know. I, it's hard to know. I mean it's yeah, it without having the two, but yeah, there's that one tune that is, is very it's, it's very harps and violins, isn't it? Yeah, kind of the over the top of each other. The theme the theme tune uh, from the original is is kept completely intact for the for the second game but the, all the rest of the music uh, in the sequel is is by a different fella and I, I think some of it is, I think the, the atmospherics for the, the snowy bits are fantastic mm. yeah I, I just I mean for me it's very whimsical I, and, I, and I think that's a really good thing like I it's very charming and it's just a shame it doesn't play quite as good as, as it looks and I think once you go digging into the development history of it, it, it kind of makes sense. Like if you're on that kind of time frame, they they obviously had this idea, they had an opportunity, and they got it out there. Like you know, and for that they should be applauded. It, it's just you know, occasionally I find it strange that certain games, um, you know, reach I guess this higher precipice in gaming that you know people feel the need to talk about when they're not incredibly amazing games. It doesn't mean it's a terrible game. It's, it was just you know I I kind of enjoyed playing for it, but it just didn't didn't really elevate anything beyond that. But the core central idea of it I really liked, but it just it, it needed a bit more on top. Strangely, that kind of what we got. <laughs> later some years later on handheld devices winter of the melodias came along you start off in winter of the melodias um in a completely different place controlling a completely different character <laughs> yeah <laughs> this, this completely threw me off guard i was just like i thought i was a guy with a little red hat like well, i'm some sort of weird creature now and obviously it all feeds back on itself by the end but um it was just like what's going on like is this is this who i play as now it wasn't overly um Again, it wasn't overly friendly and letting you know, you know, what's going on in terms of like story and. It, I was just like, right, I, I have no idea. Let's just let's just carry on. And I, I, in, a, in a way, I kind of appreciated the sort of the I don't know the the, the mystery, the, you know, yeah. the mystery of it all. It's like, oh, okay, I, I am this creature, and he can sing to activate doors and lifts and stuff. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was a nice opening. Yeah, I really liked it because um, after Lost Winds, which I thought was pleasant um, but kind of unmemorable, um, it was nice to have that opening because it's like, oh, okay, uh, what's going on here? Because I expected to just carry on from where the first mm. one left off and play 
much you know play in much a similar way that the first game did but no it starts off with this opening where you're like okay this is different i don't know what's going on here and of course later on you realize it's foreshadowing stuff mm. that's going to happen on later on in the game i really appreciated that yeah the atmosphere was different uh, you're controlling you realize fairly quickly you're controlling one of the titular melodias um in this is actually a, a flashback sort of prequel precursor to the events that are going to play out um you're going through your your little um melodious village i can't remember the name what the name of the place they live in um it's the king's homecoming and uh you have to go and do some stuff before the king arrives back and you get to sing a song and things you don't really get to sing a song you get to sort of do a chant uh, and then at the end of that section, you see uh, River and your little Melodia. Uh, he falls down into a pit, and uh, what do you get? Basically, you a, a mysterious voice comes out. I, so I assume is uh, again, it's, it's Balazar wishing to corrupt him or something, or a bit of Balazar. Did anyone notice how the two games sort of start the same? Yes. Like you're wandering around, very sort of, you know, on your own, just sort of, okay, just plodding along. And token the first game crumbles on a bridge yeah. <laughs> the, the guy in the second game crumbles on a bridge you're just like is there not another way you could sort of make a guy fall into a pit rather than this ominous looking <laughs> bridge I mean it's a little bit sort of cookie cutter I thought it's kind but of the true, the true opening is very different though as in as in the boss from the from the previous of course, game yeah so uh, back um, once this section's happened and you're back with Toku, uh, you find out that your mother, Magdi, is uh, in trouble of some kind, gone missing after a balloon trip. Uh, and, yeah, Magmok, who you fought at the end of the first game, who is now mm. uncorrupted and friendly, helps you across the environment to uh, the the area of the Melodias, which is, I thought, it was rather neat. Yeah, he just launches you over the side, doesn't he? He's like, you can't get up there. Well, he does, like, oh. before he chucks you, <laughs> he does a few platforms, doesn't he? he yeah, uh, and it's... It- yeah. It's also very different from anything you've seen in the first game. You, you didn't have that kind of, you know, well, certainly on on the iOS version, you was this huge beast that you know this that you've seen, and, or, or even fought um, in the first game. And to have him there at the very start, it was a nice kind of context. All oh, right, we're in the same place, and here, you know, he's he's thankful I've taken the, the goo off him, and um, like I don't know, just him forming pat- platforms and then him helping you out was nothing that you had on the first game. Um, and was a really, you know, kind of more grand opening to say, like, okay, you know, the original design was here, but now we're taking it to kind of the next level. But it only lasts uh, well, a couple of screens, really. That it that does, stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's cool. Uh, as I say, he reminded me even more like a, a a Colossus from Shadow of the Colossus. At this point, you're actually using him to climb up. So yeah, he throws you into uh, where the la- the place uh, your mother was last seen headed, um, and. This is where the the weather changes, and suddenly you're greeted with all this pretty snow, which is really nice, even 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 on the lowly standard definition Wii version. Um, <laughs> there's a new mechanic, which is that uh, you have a a f- cold meter, which constantly ticks down quite rapidly. Uh, you need to get from fire to fire or brazier to brazier to keep yourself warm. Your meter goes back up. Uh, you can enter buildings in sort of go into the screen. That's a new thing. Uh, you soon meet a, uh, a smith. You can freeze fiery enemies, as I said earlier. Hmm. Yeah, I definitely thought the Winter of the Melodias looked better, uh, especially when I booted up the first Lost Winds just, just, just today, just to check it out. And I was just like, 
Yeah, it really doesn't look as good, does it? I really appreciated Melodia's sort of um, Im- improvement on the art style. When you go into the Smith and he's got all the fire burning around him, you've, you know, you've just been running from fire to fire in the snow, and then you head into this like it actually feels kind of warm. It might mm. sound pretentious to say, but you just like you're, in, you're like, oh yeah, like safety. Do you know what I mean? This guy is to help me, and he's just you know smithing away at his furnace. No, was, I think you're right. Lovely. Although the uh, like, there's not a lot of sophisticated specular lighting or whatever going on mm. the color palette is really you know just it's just very well drawn and and uh, and the colors are very well used hmm. well for me it's um for me the sequel has atmosphere mm. that the first one didn't have there's um it, it's helped very much by the visuals and i think the music as well uh, feels much more um atmospheric uh, in this one and i also like the sense there's a, a bigger sense of danger that the cold adds to this game. Like the mm-hmm. early parts of the game, you were talking about um, having to go towards these fiery beacons. And it was great because it made that environment feel so hostile. Like it wasn't difficult to get from um, beacon no, to no. beacon. It was relatively easy, but it ju- it was just a nice touch to make you feel right. okay, this this environment is hostile and I need to be careful. And also uh, as well as they introduced the map for the first time for WiiWare players, uh, this was also um, pathfinding for you. This was also obviously a response to feedback from the first game which was people saying they got lost a lot. So they pretty much guide you through the early parts of the level by making it fairly clear where you have to go next. Mm. Which feels... You feel compelled to to go on. I really appreciated the map in this game, obviously, because it's a map and you sort of you have that navigation uh, point. But um, more the, when I worked out that the the top exit would equal the upper right, yes. you know, branch of oh, the map. Yes. I was just like, oh yeah, that that felt so natural and it it felt so right. And what well, the game didn't tell me that if the top right exit equals mm. you know like a, a north easterly sort of pattern on the map, it just sort of felt right and. Uh, uh, yeah, very clever piece of game design. So this is exactly the same as the map they ob- they'd obviously retrofitted into the yeah. iOS version and Android. Yeah, I mean I, the the difference with the, the second uh, game's map is that it's a little bit more complex. Um, okay. There's lots of there, there's seemingly lots of places that you can't access. So you'd go to you know I'd, I'd want to kind of wander off and just explore the area, not necessarily go to the place where it's telling me. And quite often you'd be blocked from that path via you know. An environmental obstacle where it didn't really happen in the first first one. You could kind of wander a bit further before, uh, you know, because you didn't have too many abilities that unlocked along the way. But with this one, there's lots of abilities that they unlock and they they pace that out throughout the game pretty well. So you couldn't really explore too far. But I, I quite like that having them that map there of going. Okay, well, I can't go up yet. I'll try to go down. No, I can't go there. I'll, I'll clearly go right, even if it's telling you that okay, right is the way to go. Occasionally, I thought like maybe I could fudge the system. And open up some areas just know where I'm going before, but uh, it, it's it's well once again that's very Metrovania like. Yeah, you're nearly always blocked off from areas you can't go by uh, abilities that you have yet to get. Um, so you find yourself at the uh, the village after I quite like the bit you you kind of think you're being stalked by some scary sort of yeti like creatures, mm-hmm. uh, but it uh, and they're also pages of a journal. It, which your uh, mother's left that, that you find and you find that she's had exactly the same experience but it turns out they're in fact a friendly bunch of villagers who um, happen to uh, wear suits which make them look like yetis and uh, excellently you get your own adorable little uh, warm suit 
um, and grippy shoes to help you on the ice. Although I love, I do love the uh, the the ice skating sounds are excellent. Um, you find your mother; she was there all the time, but uh, she's safe. But she's not well. Um, she's poisoned by this uh, dark, decaying matter, and uh, you need to find a cure. So the village, uh, the land has been plunged, plunged into uh, eternal winter at the behest of Sonte, who's a big cuddly bear spirit. Um, but she's only done this to stop the spread of the corruption and the poison through the water. Hmm. Yeah. I, I quite like this. Yeah. Like, it, compared to the first game, it was sort of like, you know, this is actual story that you're, you're sort of caring about. And, yeah. uh it was quite a bit of a, not a struggle, but it was, it was a bit of like a, an, an adventure to get to this bear. It was like, oh, it's all the way down that bottom side of the map. It was quite <laughs> exciting to get there. And when you get there, you're rewarded with this beautiful looking bear. Like, mm. I actually said to Gemma, like my girlfriend, I was just like, I can't believe how cute that bear is. Like, <laughs> it, it just really won me over. Like, the graphics in this game really won me and, over. Uh, Endil, like, Endil, Endil says, is that the right name? I'm confusing myself now. Yeah, uh, Enril. Um says oh you because uh, this is another spirit who Enril knows one of the ancient spirits and says well you didn't look like that last time I saw you <laughs> <laughs> yeah turned into a, yeah. a adorable bear um, with snow on his head it was yeah. uh, it was lovely the uh, actually the, the the one of the first sort of uh, emotionally engaging moments in the game is is when you you do meet up with your mother and there is some very sort of sweetly done hugging animation mm. um uh, and sort of uh, yeah, doughy-eyed moments between the two of them. Does she actually? It's, does she pick him up at this point? She picks him up. Maybe that's at the yeah. end. Oh, I can't remember. Oh. Yeah, she has kind of a care for him, but realizes that you know he needs to kind of have this adventure. So if anyone's going to be able to do it, he is, which is kind of sweet. But there, there is certainly definitely a, a narrative complexity that in this game that didn't exist in the first game for for reasons previously stated, I'd imagine. But that goes through both the storytelling and the the environmental context stuff. Um, you know, we'll get why the, the bear is important to this particular scene but you know, there's there's a lot more to do in this environment so even the environment tells more of a story than, than just existing well that, that stuff just makes your actions have greater weight whereas the first mm-hmm. one I felt like I was just going through the motions it's a like puzzle game, oh yeah. god right I've got to save my yep. mum and you know help this epic bear spirit who's <laughs> clearly a very powerful being so it, it just felt like okay, what I'm doing now is important. Mm. So uh, unfortunately, at this point, uh, you're sent on a bit of a fetch quest. Uh, so to change the seasons, which is obviously going to be a crucial power in terms of your uh, your navigational powers uh, of the environment, I, I imagine it's probably a bit like that uh, that last Prince of Persia game that came out, um, Forbidden Sands, wasn't it? Uh, which had a certain amount yeah. of uh, changing the changing water to ice and 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 mm-hmm. vice versa, and that that's what it boils down to: ice and water. Uh, but it has a, a fairly spectacular effect on the uh, on the environment. Um, but yes, uh, you can't do this at, at the. There are Sante statues all over the place, and you can flip the season from summer to winter and vice versa at any time. However, the bell which Sante needs to uh, to hear your call is uh, the clacker broke in the cold. So you have to go back to the village and uh, do some jobs to earn three gold coins <laughs> for the smith. Um, first, you have to put out some fires. That's fine. So you're doing the usual water manipulation of flinging it from a pool up mm. in the air. Uh, then you have to gather some fruit 
that was pretty annoying on the Wii version. Yeah. Yeah, it was all sort of like you had to slipstream the fruit up and around and into the basket, but it was just. It was like. I, I actually forgot at this point that the, the, the slipstreaming was a. a like I could use it on the fruit. It was sort of like. And I was, I was like flicking it up using the A button, and uh, it was just a proper I, pain in the nuts. I, I, did, <laughs> I did the whole thing that way because I didn't know you could slipstream fruit. Well, there you go. Yeah, you could slipstream oh, the fruit. Slipstre- oh, my God, that must have been so frustrating. <laughs> yeah, it was really when annoying. Trying to put stuff on <laughs> yeah. platforms. I was just poking it up. Stuff. Yeah, just tapping, tapping, tapping. God, my my completion time would have been probably about half an hour less or, or more if I had. If I'd, realized that it just didn't it didn't make any scientific sense to me <laughs> the idea that you could like him floating on his cape his jumbrella cape slipstreaming perfect sense but a fruit going round corners <laughs> didn't make any sense to me yeah it re- it looks really bizarre when it happens as well it's sort of like it's on a string and someone's pulling it along so this game's it's even odd. easier than i thought it was okay <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and the last one is to find a man's. Bird. Yeah, this There's... was bugged for me. This one, um, I had to uh, leave the screen and come back because. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to gust upwards. Um, there are tree. three or four trees in the in the area, and you're looking for his pet bird or whatever, Oswald. Oswald. Um, the first time I did it, it uh, it's it, he says, "Oh no, that's not Oswald. That's uh, that's somebody else." And then he goes, "Oh, that's Oswald." No, it isn't. It's a different one. Um, and he did that for three of them and then for the one that should have been he just didn't say anything and it didn't it didn't trigger the completion of the quest so I left the screen and and went back I was really again that probably added about another ten minutes to my completion time because I kept going round and round and round that fucking screen trying to trying to (laughs) I did the same thing okay I did the same thing you're not the only one Um, I I did really appreciate well, I didn't appreciate the fact that it was like a fetch quest and all of a sudden these three people have got three gold coins. It's sort of a bit convenient that that happened. It was a nice change in pace to do that fetch quest. But when you were um, flicking the water on the fire and, you know, to, to put the mm. fire out, when you accidentally hit the tree, you'd see a bird fly out. And I, I really appreciate it. I don't know if it was done on purpose or not, but the fact that that sort of incidental, or oh, accidental sort of, trick, I don't know what it was, like, you, you flick the water up and you accidentally hit the tree, or you because you're aiming for the tree, you hit the fire, mm. and this bird will pop out, and you're like, what's that bird all about? And then when you, <laughs> when you go to the top, that guy's asking for the bird, so you sort of know, they sort of, like, learned, um, you know... Yes, to, that's, to, again, a little but, bit of sort of signposting, yeah. But then yes. again, it, to me, that two things that Leon's mentioned, actually, are, are kind of, like, feels like ticks on the bo- back of the box if this had one a metaphorical box in this case like it, it they feel almost slightly out of context of this because it's the only three th- things that you do for extra people mm. um so like they they come from nowhere so you have this currency that you need to melt down like that, that kind of, <laughs> i suppose makes narrative sense but it's just it, it to me it kind of a little bit jarring and the other one was the one you mentioned earlier which is um the you need to stand near flames to keep warm um, once you get your fur coat, that's no longer an issue. But I kind of like that. I, I like the fact that there was a little bit of tension in your platforming. It may have become a little bit tiresome the further you got, you know, later if you got into the game when you're trying to manage five or six different things at once. But when it was just stripped away, like almost as when it was getting interesting and good, I was like, ah, oh, okay, so that mechanic's gone. Like it came and it went, and I felt the same with this one. It was it was just there and it went again, and it kind of just abruptly was like, okay, that's the only time you ever do that in a game. It's, I would have maybe liked one or two more of those quests scattered throughout mm. the the environments, or maybe not at all. It, it just felt slightly out of place. Yeah, I, I, I must admit, I do agree that um, I kind of missed running from 
uh, pillar to pillar with the fire on. Mm. It's, it's weird to say that because it's it's like one of those things that would end up annoying you like, uh, later on when the puzzles do get quite complex. You wouldn't want to be running between fires. You know what I mean? It's sort of uh, it would it would get on your nerves. But uh, yeah, when you got the fire suit, you're like, oh, there's no real tension now in the environment, which is um, yeah, it was a bit of a shame. But you know, mm. you can't you can't have it all the ways you want to have it I'm it's, it's your reward for progression as it always is in these mm. games but of course because the, these games are so small or short uh, it all ha- seems to happen quite fast Yeah. but mm. I'm all I'm all for games that only last three to five hours because there's too many long ones <laughs> in my backlog <laughs> uh, if you can condense down what makes a video game good into a short period you know look at Journey or something like that I, I'm not saying there should be no more Skyrim style epics because I love those things too but I think I think there are great games out there like Winter of the Melodias where you oh. it's proved that you can make the best experience, charge less for it and have it take up less of the player's time rather than too... Uh, this does have a little padding, but um, overall... It's not too No. Bad. It just kind of felt like they didn't push that um, pillar to pillar to the extreme. It's sort of like you just got used to it and then you got the fire suit. Maybe... They could have added a little section where it was like, you know, the extreme of you struggling to get to the fire mm-hmm. suit. It was just sort of on you and you're like, well, d- it, it was a reward, but I don't feel like I actually, you know, I earned it. It was just sort of, it sort of happened. Yeah. Like, I would have kind of liked like a, a harder challenge to get the uh, the fire suit, but you know. I know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, so your next, uh, the, the next ability you acquire from a, from a shrine is uh, one of the, best in the game I think uh, it's the cyclone mm-hmm. ability so you've, you've now got the ability to change the season at will, well at will when you're in front of a statue and oh, yeah. the ability to jump much higher and my favourite thing in the game I think is um, sucking out pools of water with a cyclone and moving the cloud about with the wind and, and raining somewhere else you really do feel like a god when you do that. <laughs> Just like, I command cool. the elements now. Um, and I, I really like the way they, um, they use puzzles. that in puzzles. Like, uh, for, uh, for example, um, you'd have like a, a pressure pad underneath a pool of water. Uh, so you'd cover, uh, you'd remove all the water and then put a rock down there to get past. way more but involved than that. They get yeah, more complex later on you're that, you're uh, juggling mm, both yeah. the seasons from one to the other, and uh, you have to you're you're sort of moving water about from endless sources into pools to create uh, floating areas, places you can swim in, and yeah, it's there's there's the puzzles get ever more interesting as the game goes on. I think. Yeah, and I think the season switch is a masterclass in that because just to set the environment, say that there's a a uh, waterfall, or, or say there's a lake that you can't progress past because it's you know it's you need to swim and maybe you can't swim past it, and you need to what you actually need to do is get to the platform slightly above this lake, but there's no way you can jump out the water and do that. So if you change the if you go to a statue, change the weather over, suddenly that lake becomes frozen, and now that's a frozen platform that you can use as a, a a point to actually jump to the next area and get out of there. Now, um, either that or like Darren was saying earlier, that there will be, be a hit, yeah, one of the what are they little statues, aren't they? Little oh, collectible item idols, um, and you'll see it as you walk past, um, you know, deep underneath your ice. And you, when you're first playing, you're thinking, oh, I wonder how you get that, but there's no clear way, so you move on. But once you, you do the, uh, the the season change, you switch, quickly switch over the seasons. You go down, you then pick up the idol, and you know, move on your merry way. But it plays, you know, I think it's really entertaining part of the puzzles because 
you can come into an area and, and spend kind of two or three minutes just looking at the area and thinking, okay, can I get up to there? No, I can't do that. Um, and you get that thought process of, okay, well, can I change the, the season here? Backtrack. Yes, I can. And once you've done that, you've got another two or three minutes thinking, well, now I've done that. Where's the route to get out of this area and move on to progress onto the next section? section? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, to me, I love the, the season change. It really adds like a complexity. Which I think it's kind thing. of a shame that obviously due to technical limitations, the uh, the change is basically a bright flash of light. Um, the contrast is dramatic. Uh, in, yeah. you, you come back in and if, if you, know, you go from winter to suddenly it's this really sort of steamy warm looking jungle with this lush water and all this vibrant green and, and everything and then back and, and this, the audio changes from the sort of that the sort of ethnic tinged music to and then there's the, the, the winter sound is just this sort of hollow echoing ambient noise it is striking um, but some kind of if there was a you know sort of if they did a full uh, sort of console big console version boxed game some kind of live action um you know real time transformation would have could have been stunning and it, and it progresses in, in more abstract ways than just like oh well the, the lake is now frozen you can walk in it so uh, with it well, there's a vortex ability now i don't know how this works on the wii but on on the ipad if you multi-touch if you so if you pinch the screen together you pinch the buttons um, on the wii Okay, so if you pinch the screen on the iPad, then it causes a vortex on the screen. And then if you flick it, then it flicks that way. I I assume roughly the same on on the Wiimote. You have to do a bit of wank-waggle for the Cyclone. Um, It seems it's quite fun at first, but like all waggle, it gets a little tiresome the 18,000th time you've done it. Uh, The Cyclone on the iPad is you draw your two fingers down. Is that it? It just causes... Yeah. Yeah. Two fingers down. So on the Wii, you have to uh, hold the A and B together, which is a pinch, but then you have to rapidly do a a sideways, side-to-side wanking motion for a good sort of two or three seconds to get the vortex powered up, which does... It has... You know, it it is, in a way, it's more interesting and it feels more involving than just pressing a button. But, as I say, like all waggle control, after a while, it gets a little bit annoying. But back to I mean back to the slightly more complex stuff so okay you're in a, a bright light environment sometimes you don't know you know there's a switch hidden away in between this door you could spend five or six minutes looking how do I get to the switch you change it back to winter and suddenly near the switch there'll be snow falling down from the sky and then if you do this vortex motion um, that will then turn into a snowball and if you drop the snowball big enough snowball if you drop it onto the switch obviously the weight of the snow will then activate the switch Nice stuff like that that really is, you know, it thinks slightly outside the box, not mm. just here's a boulder, put the boulder on there, or here's whatever heavy object moved to there. It's sometimes that they, they do unique ways, the same as the draw water up from an area, so now you can move through area or, or dump it somewhere so you can get to something. I also found that puzzle areas were sort of well demarcated, so you would sort of know that you were in a section. Uh, you know, which might be one large room, which, I mean, the rooms were kind of self-contained in themselves anyway, other than doors being blocked off to other sections. But uh, you would normally sort of, you'd see that the the large area in and the, the you know, the, the, the location you could be could be quite a number of screens wide, large, tall. Um, you would see that you would have to, you know, trigger one puzzle to open up for the next puzzle, then maybe backtrack just a little bit to get the item that you mm. need for the next puzzle. And I think just generally they're very tightly designed, by and large. 
Well, they're all very logical. There's not a puzzle in there where you think, well, how was I meant to figure that <laughs> out? It all, it, out of the stuff you're given, it all seems to make sense in the end. So that's good puzzle design. Mm. Occasionally, occasionally I found the camera a little bit too tight on occasion. It's like, is there a fl- oh, there is a flame down there. right on the edge? Yeah, that's that's yeah. true in both versions. Then obviously, yeah, I, th- I I thought that was a little bit on purpose tricky because the camera has the ability to zoom out quite a long way but I think sometimes that was almost like a oh, it's almost like a pixel hunt puzzle where it's like oh I can just see that flame which means I can control it yeah that was probably one of the weaker aspects but not something that came up a lot um, the final main ability you get is a power up for the cyclone which is the cyclone drill which is cool also cool uh, drills down into certain softer areas of dirt and that opens up the path to the final uh, sort of challenge which is a two section challenge one is an escort mission um, but not as bad as all that unless it goes wrong (laughs) so it's kind of a it's basically it's a it's a way of even making the puzzles even more complex you you put the uh, melodia king back together by sticking his head on his little mechanical body and you have to go back through about seven or eight screens working out new solutions to puzzles um, by commanding him with the wind. And I thought it was generally really, really good fun and well done. But what happened to you, Darren? <laughs> right, there's, um, so when you're escorting this little robot guy around, you, you know, he's, he's triggering switches, you're, you're working in, in, you know, in syn- synchronicity, I guess. <laughs> like, you know, you're synergizing, you sort of like, you press a switch and I'll go up here and then you go along there and... You're helping each other out to get to the your your main goal. Um, there's a really obscure bit where you have to drop a piece of fruit on this rock bridge, and it doesn't really explain to you how to break this bridge. It's like a little, it's like two bits of rock facing each other, and there's a bit of fruit above it. And um, I just like I have no idea what I'm what I'm doing here, so I sort of wander in between screens, and uh, the, the little guy was still sitting there. He was fine, and uh, I accidentally flung the bit of fruit off, and it broke the, the bridge into two pieces. Uh, well, you know, it just made made the bridge disappear, and he disappeared as well. And I was like, "Well, where's he gone? Like, I don't understand where he where's he has he, has he slidden down the ramp underneath, which he hadn't because he, he would have got caught by the vines at the end or the thorn, you know, the sort of like the viney type thing." And I just went back into the other room, and I was like, "Well, he's not here." I changed the seasons because maybe he was underwater, and if I changed the seasons, maybe the the you know the ice would um you know, somehow respawn him back on top of the ice and I could find him. And I literally spent about an hour <laughs> looking for this guy. I went back, all the way back to the start, oh, as far as I could go, because obviously he, he'd, he'd had like, some lifts that have come up and I couldn't get back down because he wasn't there. <laughs> I was just like, oh, bollocks, this is like the worst thing. Cause <laughs> I, it was just so frustrating because I knew I was near the end. You could feel the, the tension Very building. Very near like, the end, it, indeed. Yeah, literally two rooms. Yeah. Um, so I've, I went on the forum and they were saying... Uh, tried dying on purpose and it should respawn you two at a sensible place and you know you can carry on so I, I drowned nothing I you know I died in various ways it was sort of <laughs> like ground it was a bit death. grim <laughs> yeah it was grim man it was like just purposely killing this cute little guy just so his mate could come back it was it was yeah it was really depressing <laughs> and uh, I was like oh, I'll leave it I'll come back another day and it was just today um Thursday the 5th of July it was just like I'll come back onto it just, just to check I was like one more time before the podcast let's check and uh, he was just there, just like in his down pose, because you know if you swipe down on him, you can make him stay on the ground. He was just there doing that, and I was like, "Why weren't you there two days ago?" I don't understand what I did. Uh, maybe did maybe because I explored all the other rooms. Did he then sort of 
did he spawn back where I don't know but maybe he was in the game and I couldn't see him but what they needed to do was put him on the map as well as me because I could see so many people losing this little guy and yeah yeah it just needed a bit more notification which is a shame because it really soured my end of the game mm. but it all ended well and happy I actually I realised I forgot mm. to uh, mention there's a there's a bit before this just to uh, this sort of does help cement the urgency of the situation uh, when you head back after getting the uh, the Jumbrella cape in this game you head back to the village and uh, your mother is there but she is fully poisoned and turned to stone and she's left you a little letter and it's really sad it's really oh it's, you know, it's very, very simple stuff but it's basically the mother telling your character Toku how awesome he is and it's really sweet mm-hmm. um, so and that just you know adds to your determination your urgency to uh to get this uh boss that is the corrupt version of river and the little melodia you controlled all those hours ago i, I will say as well I, I i appreciated how um the environmental changed a lot towards the back end of the game so you, you start off in you know these big open environments where you know average people will live and actually time you, you progress and, and have the king himself um you've moved into they've, they've kind of turned him into more I don't know, like grand mythical places where this original lost city had, you know, had disappeared, yeah. and you've drilled down into it, and it's this new place that has you know has context to all the other stuff you've seen in both games because elements of this city have have survived up in the up in the higher land. So when you finally get there, and you know the doors can be activated by him singing and the glowy eyes and stuff like that, it, it it's just a nice context of the progression through the game from you know just open environments. So that brings us to the only boss in Winter of the Melodias, um, which I didn't enjoy myself a lot uh, because it involved the rather imprecise grabbing of the blobs that we mentioned right back at the start. And it's kind of an escort quest. You're told, you know, you must protect the king. Fortunately, it's not you must protect the king because he's going to die. He's got a health bar or some shit like that. You've got a health bar that needs your usual four chunks of heart, uh, which need protecting. Thankfully, the final arena, which is spread over three rooms, does have a couple of fruits which you can top up on. But it also has a section where you have to uh, vortex the the little mechanical king dude into singing his chant, which the uh, corrupt boss doesn't enjoy. But you also have to protect him from the incoming blobs of glob. And once you get the hang of it, it's not that bad. But it takes a little while, and yeah, it was it was slightly annoying, as final bosses so often are. Any other experiences of uh, River and Boss? I know you said you were tr- struggling, Josh, didn't you? Well, it, it it wasn't it wasn't particularly hard. It was just annoying. My, my thoughts on it are basically the same as Leon's. It's not. It just wasn't very fun. It's but, just it's just the controls don't lend themselves well to a combat situation. And for the most part of this game, you haven't been fighting intensely as this final battle. But when he starts launching globs of corruption at you and you have to sling them back at him you, you're not ready for this because that's not what you've been doing combat wise for yeah, the most of the they're game quite, they're, they're quite fast and it's quite easy to sort of lose again another way in which the game I don't think communicates to the player terribly well is when you've actually been hurt it doesn't make a big deal about it you just suddenly notice oh shit I've only got one chunk of heart left uh, it doesn't. He doesn't sort of make much of a noise, or there's no. There's no sort of you know. Nintendo again would if this was first party, they would have some sort of really urgent alarm when you were down to one health. Uh, 
And what's what's weird is it was one of my favourite bits of the game. Really? <laughs> yeah, okay. and uh, actually because I, because of that, possibly. Well, and and quite possibly because I I really enjoy the the frantic nature of well I need to get you know little dude over here so tap him so tap him on the head you go there I need to jump up here so I'm I'm gusting wind underneath him I'm being thrown will have made this a yeah, lot easier. Yeah, I'm being fr- something's being thrown at me, so I, I abort the jump and throw the thing back, and at the same time I haven't even hit the ground yet, and I can gust myself back up and like just well, I guess almost like in, in the way that you're doing StarCraft and a mouse kind of like tap 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 tap, you know, multiple mm. like, actions at once. It it felt like mm. the game was coming alive. Almost rhythm action like playing uh, Ostatic Oendan or something like that. You know, and even even some of the the, la- the latter puzzles in in the back end of the game, even though you could slipstream maybe boulders or rocks or apples or whatever it may be, like it it made just as much sense jumping from platform to platform whilst pushing the apple because you've the immediacy of of doing those things is so close, like half a millimeter away each time of where your finger is on the screen. So it, it, the iOS controls work really well for this game. It does sound like a totally different boss fight. Yeah. It sounds it just sounds like fun, whereas the the Wii pointer, it just it, by this time I'd had a hand cramp because I I just as soon as I picked up the Wii remote and the nunchuck, I don't know if it's because I haven't played it for ages or what, but I was just like, as soon as I started doing like the vortex and you know the cyclone to manoeuvre took you up, it was just like oh my wrist, you know oh come on, it was just um yeah it wasn't a pleasant boss fight. Yeah, see so, so for me because I'm like okay, so two fingers on the screen calls you know. Cyclone, move him up, um, then quickly pinch the the obstacle flying at me, which then slows it down. It gives me enough time to move a uh, little dude into into there, and that, all that's so. There's lots of stuff going on screen at once, and none of it phased me. In fact, it was you know quite a joyous moment. So very odd. I'm, I'm glad it's the first game that we've really kind of altered in in which platforms we played it on that to make mm. that much dif- that much of a difference. But I, I, actually, while we're still on the iOS controls, the, la- the last thing which will, I think, make or break, which whether people play this or not, you have two con- uh, control options about his movement. So obviously on the nunchuck, you have left on right. Um, on the iPad version, or, or yeah, whatever, the Android iOS version, um, you can tap the screen, like on the far right or far left, and he'll walk that way. Um, and then you can just breeze gust underneath him, and he'll jump left. You know, he'll jump with that. But then you always have that continuing motion, which I I know a few people have played it that way, but I couldn't get on with at all because his constant movement was like, it's no, I don't want you to go that far. I, I, can you stop? So I actually ended up uh, coming back to the the virtual D pad as such. Oh, you actually have to stick. go into the options and switch that on, don't you? And yeah, you, yeah, it says that at the very start, like you can control and you know the direct control of moving him left and right, and you know it, we're not talking super meat boy levels of precision control no, here. No, so this would, I can see this would actually work for this game. Yeah, although there's little bit of you know a lag input or whatever, it never felt enough that I would mi- ever miss a jump. So mm. for me, the, the virtual D pad on this worked really well <laughs> combined with. Well, that's a first. Yeah. <laughs> so before we give our own summaries, here's Roy42 from the Character Select Forum with his feelings on Lost Winds. He says, The original Lost Winds was and is fantastic, and to me it was the best thing to come out on the Wii shop in its infancy to show the kind of games that could come out on the platform. Shame that never really happened with the majority of WiiWare titles, but that's neither here nor there. It was only a few hours, pretty cheap, fun and interesting, something different, looked beautiful regardless of the fact that it was on the Wii, and showed promise as an episodic adventure. It's a great little game that you could somewhat dismissively call Baby's First Metroid, with the searching through various visually appealing areas using newly acquired powers to access new sections of the map and various 
moments of, hang on, where the fuck do I go now? The control of the wind to manipulate the environment was and has remained one of my favourite new mechanics in gaming this generation. The powers that you use feel wholly natural to execute and the movement of Toku feels perfect for what a young child should be capable of where he can barely move around without Enril's help. So he loved it. Uh, I think he's specifically talking about the first game there but um, if he liked the first one that much, crikey. Um, looking at reviews of the time, the, the first game did fine with uh, sort of you know meta scoring game rankings of about eighty to eighty one, which I suspect it wouldn't have got if it hadn't been the sort of highlight we wear launch game. Um, oh. It seems a little high now, but uh, the second game, Winter of the, Winter of the Melodias, got uh, I think sort of deserved in mid mid eighties, um, pretty much you know everywhere by and large and on average anyway. So how do we feel about them? I think we've sort of already said, but let's uh, sum it all up in a neat little bow before we do our three-word reviews with Josh. Um, I think the first one is a pleasant game, but it just wasn't very impactful or memorable for me. There was nothing bad about it. It was just, you know, okay. It was all right. Uh, The sequel, on the other hand, I think is a very good game. Um, I really like it. I think... um, the puzzle designs are much more interesting. I think the environments are much more interesting. It has more atmosphere. Um, I think it's worth playing through the first one just so you have context mm. for the second one. Uh, but it's the second one that's the one that's really worth playing. Darren? Well, yeah, you pretty much just said it all there, Josh. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I can't agree with you anymore. Yeah, the, the first one, bit weak in, in comparison. Uh, the the second one is an absolute joy if you don't get the bug at the end. So mm. um, yeah, apparently there's quite a few bugs. Well, a couple of bugs that can break the game, but I, I don't know if they're uh, existent on the iOS or not. But they're definitely um, something to keep your eye out for. Yeah, it's um, it's good. I really like. I really, really. I I do not regret. You know, pretending I was living in Brazil to play this game. <laughs> <laughs> Tony. Um, I think that the word to describe the first game is slightly underbaked or undercooked, um, and I think you know the, the development time probably doesn't help there. But I, as, as a whole, I think it's it's probably worth your time playing through the first one into the second one. It's what it makes probably a six to seven hour game, um, which really is you know it's pretty uh, you would class normally as a short game anyway. So you might as well see the whole story just by doing it that way. Um, the second one, I think, is where the game comes into its own. Um, the the weather changing aspects is is quite entertaining and fun, and, and can make some of the puzzles slightly more complex. Um, I don't think it it sets the world on fire. Um, and I think maybe the first one gets a little bit too you know, more praise than it probably would have done if it if it came out now, for instance, on the service. But you know, I, th- I think they are they're whimsical, they're charming, um, and. They they fit really naturally on the iOS or the the um, the, mo- the mobile platforms as well. Has to be said. Um, uh, certainly, the second game just it it works really really well. The control system works really well, and I, I think you see that quite often. A lot a lot of the WiiWare stuff has been ported over to um, uh, to the mobile platform because you know naturally if there's a pointer on the screen, you're kind of doing the same thing with your finger. So it's a nice fit for that platform, and probably you know, if you can pick it up for like two pound or whatever that may be, or you know less than that for the entire series, then uh, you, you could spend you know easily spend six hours worse doing something else. So uh, yeah, a, t- a tentative thumbs up kind of. 
Yeah, I think it's uh, if you have the choice, obviously the the iOS Android versions are absolutely recommended over the WiiWare versions now, uh, simply because they will cost you a fraction of the price. Uh, they have probably arguably better controls and uh, higher resolution graphics, and the graphics are nice. And anyway. bits been fixed, maps added. And yeah, I, they they they've done some of this 3D stuff. You can unlock certain bits in the game as well, which then you can uh, take off and, and add to your like your your facebook stuff and tweet it and profile it all stuff on your facebook all, all linked up now which i assume isn't in the we let's face it i don't think we're going to struggle to persuade people to not download WiiWare games uh <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> um i'd really like to see this come to vita actually with uh yeah. touch screen um controls and, and on that on that lovely big uh high def screen very nice I'd imagine as well you could do some interesting stuff with a back touch. Yeah, it should come as a double pack. I, I think that would be the way to do it, actually merge them together and release it as one download. Uh, because, as everyone said, the first game shows it's that, that it was uh, a short development time and it's definitely wears its small file size on its sleeve, certainly more than the sequel, which, as I say, if it is filled... If, if it is the same amount it's remarkable um, I assume it is a slightly bigger game I don't know uh, but yeah neither is absolutely essential but the second game if you like um, if you like a slightly more cerebral gentle uh, mm. arcadey puzzly platformery kind of thing um, this is a really nice one a really nice one and uh, it's got a very sweet it's very sweet it's actually quite sweet at the end and yeah, the first game is not as good, but it is, as everyone says, definitely worth playing the three hours to learn the controls for the second game. And just see the whole thing as, a, as Tony says, as like one sort of seven to eight, seven hour, yeah, seven hour adventure. Something like that. They're all, they're also very relaxing. Yeah, it's that that can't Apart be from the final boss or when you lose your well, escort yeah. man. So three word reviews, and we did get a few, starting with Darren. Ryan Astley says, looks pretty nice. He's a graphic artist, he should know. Plexshaw says, wonderfully enchanting platformers. Frozen Treasure says, go get it. Choduck says, it's not elite. And Supernoodle128 says, an absolute charmer. Very good. So, uh, we've got more podcasts coming up. We've hit number 40. We're on our way to the big 5-0. We will be playing No More Heroes. Either play the Wii version or the PS3 version. Or even the harder to get, possibly not available at all in Europe, Xbox 360 version. <laughs> uh, following that, Ghost Trick Phantom De- Detective on iOS or DS. Kirby's Epic Yarn. Metal Gear Solid 4, Guns of the Patriots. Rhythm Heaven, Stroke Tengoku, Stroke Beat the Beat, Rhythm Fever, Pants... <laughs> On fire series, it's yeah, it's rhythm. Come it's on. rhythm Tengoku. Come on, okay. be pro- be yeah. proper. <laughs> okay. uh, and Max Payne and Max Payne Two: The Fall of Max Payne. Our blog is at canerince.com, and don't forget to check out our excellent quick rinse videos from these two chaps, either on that blog or via our YouTube channel. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter, which is at canerince. Your support for iTunes subscriptions, ratings, and reviews are always greatly appreciated. Kane and Rince is part of the Character Select Network, so come and join the discussion in our forum, which can be found at characterselect.net forward slash forum. You can like our Facebook page, and um, that's at Facebook, and uh, you can email us if you want, kaneandrince at gmail.com. 
It just remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank Tony Atkins, Darren Gargett and Joshua Garrity and we'll leave you with some of this enchanting music. Music.